0: Welcome to The Rise. I'm your host, Mark Basil. This is the podcast where we talk industry, we talk business, we talk shit, we motivate and we get things done. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Rise, episode number... Uh, Very excited to bring this episode to you. It is the first official episode of The Rise. I am your host, Mark Basil. Uh, Very excited to bring this week's guest to you. good friend of mine, Chaz Menendez. He is one of the most in-demand stunt performers in New York City, as far as I'm concerned, currently speaking. He has been on so many shows, a lot of your favorite shows, and you didn't even know it. So this week, we're going to tackle a lot of ground. We're going to cover everything. We're going to talk about his influences in the game how he knew this is what he wanted to do the rest of his life. We're going to talk about different tragedies within his facet of the entertainment world that kind of led him to this path of educating the stunt world. And we're going to talk about how he... Pounds the pavement and continues to grind so that he can continue to live his dream day in and day out. We're also going to tell funny stories of common acquaintances and similar paths that we both have crossed uh, individually throughout our career. So I hope you guys tune in, listen, subscribe, and download because I don't want you to miss a single episode. Let's get to it. Beautiful. We're golden, man. This is it. This is the fucking podcast we've been talking about for six months, man. There we go. (laughs) Here we go. So, uh, you know, I, people are certainly not going to know how you and I know each other, but it's actually, like, I love telling people this story when I talk about my experience on, on the TV show Happy because you and I met prior to that uh, when we were doing season one of Happy, and there was a, probably for the first hour and a half, we were standing across the set from each other just kind of staring at each other. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know where we knew each other from we didn't know we just knew we met and it turns out that we actually met at uh champs boxing club in newer champs shows Box, yeah. yeah coach ryan introduced us and you were actually showing me uh something that you had previously filmed in the boxing uh gym yeah i think maybe a
1: previs maybe, maybe, maybe a pre i think a previs a previsual kind of fight thing yeah, from
0: yeah. My school? yeah yeah that's exactly what it was so let me ask you, uh, right now, Jazz Menendez, he is an incredible, crazy man. He's actually a stunt coordinator for some of the hottest TV shows that are out there today.
1: Let me correct that. Co-stunt coordinator, covering stunt coordinator, because I actually, my bosses are Pete Bacosi, Cherry Hewitt. Those guys are my bosses. I cover for and work with, so on
0: their great shows. You work on so many shows that, I'm telling you, everybody who's going to listen to this podcast fucking watch. Like, you wrapped up uh, Shades of Blue with Jennifer Lopez and Ray Liotta. Yep. Uh, currently, now you're filming. You you worked on the last season of Power. Uh, you worked which on left every everybody. season. Every,
1: every season of Power.
0: This is this is the every final season, season of Power. But
1: I've you worked, worked on every yet.
0: season of Power. Every episode, you make your own films. You you have your own stunt school in New Rochelle. What is it that you don't do? Um, I don't smoke crack anymore
1: or do heroin anymore. Thank God. (laughs) Thank
0: God. (laughs) I mean, but, you know, you're you're literally in every facet of this business in one way or the other. Well, And I
1: was a sound designer for many years, too. That's actually a strong strong suit of mine is sound and sound design. I used to work at a place called National Video Center, which was like the biggest post-production house in New York City. I don't know if you remember that movie, (laughs) Tootsie. With uh, um, Justin Hoffman. Justin Hoffman. That was all shot at National Video Center. That used to be on 42nd and 10th. MTV started there, so I started there as a sound designer. But I had a strong background in martial arts and, and fighting, full contact fighting. So I just kind of got turned on uh, to the business through a martial art buddy of mine, who turned me on to Pete Pacosi, who is one of the best coordinators coordinators out there. He does, you know, he does power, he does orange. He did all the Sopranos episodes. You know, he's just a fantastic guy, and he basically started my career. And he was with a group called the Stunt Specialists, which consists of Jerry Hewitt, Tim Gallon, uh, Norman Douglas, who coordinates Gotham, Manny Severio, uh, let's see, uh, Dan third, III, um, who else, uh, uh, Jeff Ward, Mike Russo, who does elementary, Mick O'Rourke, Jenna Paparazzi, I mean, all legends, Bill and Agnes, all legends wow. in the business. I hope I didn't forget. Oh, Roy Farf, I don't want to forget any names, because they're all good friends of mine still, and fantastic stunt coordinators. Um, Yeah, I mean, Jerry, just to get an idea, he does, he's done every Law and Order since the beginning of Law and Orders, and his very first feature film himself, he played the lead baseball fury in the Warriors, 1979 classic, so these guys are legends. Wow. And I was very lucky to be taken in by them, and, you know, put under their wings, and they just, you know, I am
0: who I am certainly because of those guys today. What was it about stunt work? I mean, a lot of people grow up. They they, they, they look at what's going on in front of the camera, the final pro- product. They, they, you know, fall in love with these characters. These characters become role models to some, and they try to emulate them, and they want to be them. You know, certainly for me, uh, growing up in a small town, it was very difficult to dream big growing up in a very small town, but I did. And I did because of, you know, the Robert De Niro's and the Ray Liotta's and the Jack Nicholson's and the Dustin Hoffman's and the Pacino's that I, I was brought up with. And let's not forget John Lane. My grandfather was a huge John Lane guy. Um, and and I very much wanted to, to, growing up, you know, being a small child, emulate these guys. Like from from six years old on, I knew I wanted to be an actor you know later on in life i became a screenwriter and filmmaker what was it that drew you to um, to the stunt world because truth be told you have probably been seen hundreds of times throughout your career and people may not have realized you're the one they were looking at because you're 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 doubling somebody else and that person naturally the way editing works is getting the credit for it
1: yeah but it's not only the doubling part it's Actually, being a stuntman is being a professional blur. The difference between an actor and a stuntman is an actor will come out in a scene and they'll have their gun so you can actually see their face. Where a stuntman will put that gun in front of their face so they can work on another episode. They're there to get shot. They're there to hit the ground. They're there to, to bring uh, action to the scene. You know, they are the the real cure for action. They're the one that, that bring that, you know, we hit the ground hard. But we want to keep working. Sure. So. Think about it. I've been on, I've been on Blue Bloods three or four times in one season. You don't see me. I might be doing some driving, or I might be, you know, doubling somebody, or I might be playing a bad guy. But you know, when they edit, you look at the edit and you're like, wow, you could hardly tell it's me. So I get to work on the show again. But to get back to your, to answer your question, um, no, no different than you, except my idol was Bruce Lee. And here's the funny thing, though. When you have an idol like Bruce Lee, who's like an incredible actor, an incredible action actor, when you start putting yourself on camera, you soon realize, no, they broke the mold with that cat. There ain't no ain't no following his footsteps. So I just went for, you know, why does he look so good? Because he's got these amazing stunt people around him. And then I learned that dance, and I realized, wow, that's where I need to be. You know, there's a thing about actors. Like, I can watch you as an actor for a half hour tell a story i know you got that charisma i don't got that you watch me about 30 seconds and you want to see me go out a window and get hit by a car or get shot <laughs> so, so that's my career you know when you will go on auditions you probably read three or four pages of copy for that audition we normally read lines like one or two lines and definitely one of them is ouch <laughs>
0: yeah definitely you know
1: because, because we end up you know A couple lines and we get shot. A couple lines and we get beat up, or we beat somebody up. It's you know, it's the perfect thing for me because I enjoy that more than anything. Yeah.
0: Well, how long how long have you been a professional stuntman? When did your career start? Um, How exactly did you get started in it? Because you know, as you and I both know today, the the business, no matter what side of the business you are trying to get into, which door you're trying to walk through. Is much easier today. Uh, certainly, on my end of the business, and I, I can only imagine on yours. Much easier today to get your name out there, yourself out there, or to make the right contacts than it was 18, 20 years ago when I first moved to New York and hit the ground running. You know, uh, social media has has made it completely acceptable way to make connections and contacts and keep in touch and. You know, I didn't have that luxury when I first moved out here 20 years ago. How long have you been in the business, and how long were you in, you know, the stunt world before you really started to grind, before you you really started to make the proper connections and you really started well, to see the work come in?
1: Again, um, I'd say I, I was officially in the business as far as in the union in 1995. But, of course, okay. years before that, I had learned the craft. Um, I had already been a sound designer for many years, um, and I was doing my own little film productions, and my my boss, who was a top composer, sound designer in New York City, basically encouraged me. He saw me do some video stuff. He's like, yo, you're a really good director. So I got caught up with shooting and really loving it, and, you know, that with music because I'm also a composer and a songwriter and producer, so I got to work with some really talented people when it came to that the thing is with stunts you start realizing that social media is kind of like the anti thing for stunts because stunts is dangerous man it's like there's kids out there doing stupid shit on camera putting stupid reels out there and you can't fake them the camera doesn't lie so it can hurt your career more than it can help your career as in with acting, you can put out some acting stuff and people, wow, this guy can act or, you know, he's worked on this or he's worked on that and can fake it a lot because of technology. Well, stunts you can't really fake, you know. It's like there's only two things. It either looks awesome or it looks like shit. Where acting, it's, it's a matter of opinion. You know, you like that actor, you don't like that actor. But the gag is a gag, and we really get hired for having that skill set. So, again, I, I was lucky enough to learn by, like, you know, the top guys in the business. And then I kind of created the school because I lost a very close young friend. The kid was only 28 years old about three years ago now. And, and a year earlier, another young kid had died that I had only met once or twice but had a great reputation. He was 27 years old. And when I tried to figure out, you know, how could this happen to these Young, talented, because they, they really set the example as far as young, humble stump performers. But then when they died, I really kind of freaked out. I said to myself, how can this happen? And then I just came to the conclusion it was because they didn't have a school. They didn't have the knowledge. And they actually made mistakes that cost them their lives. And that's mm-hmm. what turned me into starting the school. And my school is not like, you know, most people try to get students. I encourage people not to come to my school because it's a very serious profession you're choosing. And my classes are full of, you know, full body contact conditioning, and I put the camera up every class so you get to see what works and what doesn't work. And it can encourage some people to train harder because it's a way of life, or it can discourage people. And I, I respect both, you know. If, you're, if it encourages you and you, you're willing to put the time in to become a great stunt performer, I'll support that. But if you're coming back every week and I'm just seeing shit because you're not practicing – I only teach once a week. I always tell my students it's not my class that makes you a stunt performer. It's what you do outside of my class. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a different profession in that case. So I don't agree that social media is in people's favor. As a matter of fact, we highly preach not to brag about your stunt career, but to show up on set, act like a professional, um, mm-hmm. perform the gag and then word of mouth, that's how you start getting jobs. And the, the handful of my students have really, they've really taken, listen to me and they you see their careers really taking off now. You see them going on set to hustle a coordinator and, you know, they mention my name and then they, the coordinator calls me up. Do you know this kid? I go, yeah. And then I, and they'll be like, I'm thinking of him for a job. And I'll be like, well, what's the job? And I'll say, yeah, he's great. He's ready for that. And that, that's how, that's how the stunt business works. So it's really about being able to put yourself in danger in as safe as safely as possible, and understand camera angles and and how to do the dance because we don't really hit each other. It's it's a dance, you know that, Mark. I throw a punch, you yeah. got to snap your head mm-hmm. at the exact time. You have to look like you were uh, really hit. You have to hit the ground. You have to know where to throw that strike where the camera is. You know, a lot of technical stuff to to stunt coordinating. So that's pretty much what has made me move forward because I shoot a lot. So people see my work and, and I do a lot of pre visits. So I'll go in, uh, like I worked with, you know, 50 cent yesterday, we're doing a, um, a, a big scene that he's directing. So we got, went into, we went in, we talked it all out. And now I'm going to have a, a day where I come where the actors come in and the stunt performers come in and I get to shoot it all before they come in with a 50 man crew. And then this way on the day, they're ready to, to do this and get this day done in, in 12, 14 hours, and that's where my extra talents of filmmaking and sound designing come into play. Because if you throw a punch and don't have a sound effect, I swear to God, people don't get it. As soon as you put
0: the sound effect, I'm like, oh my God! You know what I mean? Yeah, and I bring that to the table, man. You know, there are also, I mean, the accidents happen all the time. I mean, if, if you oh go back God. to when we, if you go back to when we had worked together. Um, right. last year, you know, one of the stunt coordinators, in the hype of it all, and in the motion of it all, actually did get injured by a freezer door. <laughs> I don't know if but you what remember it, that.
1: One of the stunt performers, you mean?
0: Yeah, what did I say? After?
1: You said coordinators, no. He, Ian LeBros- no, i you're,
0: you're absolutely right. Yeah, one, oh, yeah, no, no. One of the stunt no, performers no, no. actually got injured by the freezer door in the middle of filming. So yeah. even though he got everybody a, tries didn't to... Didn't he get a black eye or something? I think he got a black eye, didn't he? I, I, you know, I, I don't remember. I can't remember if it was a black eye or if it was a cut above his eye. It was just the way the yeah. door... Oh, I don't listen. think the the padding in the door. lot of
1: bumps and bruises. A
0: lot oh, of, you know,
1: bleeding. There's a lot of bleeding. There's no question. We just had to do a, a big fight scene on the last OG, and it was 96 degrees out. They put us all in shorts, short-sleeved shirts and, and shorts. There's nowhere to put knees and elbow pads. So we were all – we did a 14-hour day, and we were all bleeding. I mean, we were having a ball because we are built for it, but in this particular case, we couldn't put pads on. And we were fighting on cobblestone and concrete. Most people can't do this. That's the, that's why some people do what they do. Any great actor, anybody in production realizes that's what we're there for. We're there to sometimes take that beat. I,
0: I remember, I remember I, last year. Quick, quick story. I remember last year. I did three episodes of Blacklist. and the last episode, I did, uh, James Spader actually kills me, and from a distance he shoots me. They put the they 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 had lined the leather jacket with a, a dust squid, and. Um, I can't remember if it was three or four leather jackets that they had lined with a dust squib because they wanted to get at least three or four takes. But there was no stunt performer. They were like, okay, when the squib goes off, fall back. We were in the middle of uh, King's Theater in in Brooklyn, and um, I said, okay. So I put the jacket on, and the squib went off. Now, I've never been wired with a squib before, Chaz, so I didn't know what to expect. But even though you have that rubber, that thick, solid rubber padding between the squib and yourself, you still feel it. Oh, no, it's, an ex- it's a mini explosion, dude. It, it, it's a mini it's explosion a, going on there. It's yeah. a mini
1: explosion. If, if your hand is in the way, <laughs> if you have it, let's say you have it on, if someone is ridiculous enough to put it under your arm and your arm yeah. is down, you can blow a hole in your arm and hit an artery. I've I recently saw somebody have a squib next to their shoulder and they were told not to turn their face into it. And, of course, in the heat of it, I mean, he was a great stunt performer, and it could happen to any of us, but he put a hole in his face. He was so mad at himself. Oh. It looked amazing. Of course, it was a great take, but he put a hole in his face because he turned his face into squibs are no joke, man.
0: Holy yeah. fuck. This squid, dude, this squib went off. It scared the shit out of me. Because, like I said, I've <laughs> never been wired with a squib before. So I thought it was just going to be like a little pop. This thing went, boom. Oh, it yeah. A hole, like, the hole. It blows. It, it, it rips through
1: exploded. your clothes. Yeah.
0: It literally exploded the front of this leather jacket. And now I'm supposed oh, to yeah. fall back. So when I fell back.
1: Did you, did you fall into a mat?
0: There was no mat. It was. Oh, bugs. get out of here. I swear to God, it was the ramp of the King's Theater in Brooklyn. And it was. It was I, uh, I, I fell back. And I woke up and the, like, I got up, rather, not wake up. I, I, I stood up, and the adrenaline's going now because, you know, I was like, wow, that's what it's like to get fucking shot in Hollywood. That's awesome. Let's do it again.
1: And <laughs> like
0: I said, they had like three or four leather jackets. I, they took that one off me, put another one on, boom, fall back. Did it three, four times. I was so pumped about it, right? The next day, between you and me, well, not between you and me, because hopefully we have listeners. Between the you, you day and me and, and the rest of the world. <laughs> Between you and me, James Spader, and everybody listening now, I couldn't get out of fucking bed. Whoa. Like, the way I fell, every time I fell backwards, I must have, I don't know what I did. I must have landed on my tailbone.
1: Yeah. The next I fucking I...
0: day, to sit up in bed was, like, murderous. I had to take Epsom salt vats every day for about four days. <laughs> just all the swelling would <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh,
1: man. I'm sorry to laugh. See you next. I'm going to show you how to fall so that doesn't happen to you. Because there's a technique. I would
0: appreciate in- that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Next time you call me up, brother, I'll show you that in a heartbeat.
0: I have so much more appreciation for stunt coordinators and stunt performers than ever right. before. Because these guys put, like, they, they do that for a living. And they didn't even, uh, yeah. and you know what they did? You know, you know what they did? They gave me fucking, they gave me knee pads. They didn't give me any type of pad for the tailbone or anything like that. They gave me knee pads, and I was falling backwards. (laughs) Swear to God, dude. I'm like, yeah, give me the knee pads. I'll put them on. And then it was a different guy that gave me the knee pads. It was a different guy that gave me the knee pads than the one who came up to me and was like, all right, listen, when the squib goes up, fall backwards and i was like okay and it didn't even dawn on me that i had the knee pads on because i was just so pumped to be shooting the scene now you know jane spade is right. killing me after i took that first bump backwards i realized like what why the fuck yeah, why, why do i have knee pads on <laughs>
1: <laughs> why do i
0: have knee pads that, on for that's a really nine? funny story bro that's a really funny story dude. It, but you know yeah. i i would do it all i would do it all over again I, I I would do it all over again. Just it, it gave me a small small taste of what you guys go through day in and day out to make everything that we do as actors look a hundred percent legit. So I have so much love and appreciation for the stunt world because that well, thanks, definitely Rob. that definitely takes a special man and woman to put their bodies through that ten twelve no hours a day. Oh yeah, there's, there's so no I'm, question, and, and that's why people
1: need to train every day. Because that's exactly right. I just did an M Night film, and I got ratcheted. And, you know, when you do TV, you, you, you're, as a stunt performer, you need to be prepared to do it once. One and done. I say stunt people are just like the lighting people. They say, go put a light there and turn it on. They point point say, all right, they're go do a stunt and, and do it. And that's what we do. We do it in one take. But we also have to be physically prepared to do it in 25 takes, which is what happened on the show. I ended up getting ratcheted, and after the first take, that was perfect. I right, let's do it again. I did it 25 times. I limped. Oh. I got out of the car. I limped to, to my house, and I took a hot shower and went to bed. But when I woke up in the morning, I was 100% fine. My body that's is incredible. so used to it that when I woke up in the morning, it just said, okay, new day, re, re, you know, reset. And I was – I can't believe how great I felt the next day. And that's a that's testament incredible. to the conditioning that I do, yeah. So – this is what we do, well, and I find a daily basis as much as I can. Well, when
0: we, when we shot, when we filmed Happy together on Sci-Fi Network, it was, you, if I'm not mistaken, you were the stunt performer. You, you went out the window, right? You and I had a very yeah. good scene together with Chris Malone yeah, where we shared his, his naked ass for, for about, for, and his balls. No, he had, they call it in Hollywood. Uh, the his balls ball. were hanging out from under his, his ass. ass. No, no, they weren't. I
1: don't remember. Really, but, you know, our camera, no, not really because we were actually looking at a camera, but, you know, that's what we were improvising, right? And I I remember saying, Sax, what a great, you know, they didn't use it, but I was like, what a great name. (laughs)
0: Because his name was (laughs) Sax. I was like, like, come on, Sax, let's tuck your balls in a pair of pants and let's go. Um, But, you know, that was a fun show to work on. He was a great actor to work on. He allowed us, he's very open open and welcoming and improv. Yeah. Such a great, a fun talent. guy to work with. Treats everybody yeah. like a professional. Um, he really does. And I remember we, we walked into this dingy apartment in the Bronx that they had set up for, for location and I remember all the hoopla when we got in there. All right, nobody's standing near the window. Nobody's allowed to be next to the window. We only have one window. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. He, was, he
1: looked at me and he was, he was like, yo, dude, we got to do this in one. I go, that's all that's what we do, bro, and that was it. And it was, it was hairy because I didn't just have to go out the window. It was a steel pipe that if I went three inches to the left, my head was going to get cracked open. So it was very precise. But, you know, me and Chris, Chris is an excellent action actor and just a super guy. And I just said, hey, man, project me that way because i got to go at this angle. And he did exactly that. And so we went out the window, and it was great, one and done. Beautiful.
0: I was actually downstairs because we had al- him and I had already filmed our dialogue together and I had gone downstairs and I was standing on the sidewalk looking up at that window. Like I wasn't oh, looking boy. at the monitor. I was actually watching firsthand Chris oh, throw you through the window. And yeah. I couldn't <laughs> believe, I had never
1: seen that before. I, I'll tell you a little extra secret about that and don't tell anybody, but it's to- <laughs> not The stunt coordinator, who's a real genius, Ian McLaughlin, asked the art department to double up on the glass. And that's why that glass looked incredibly awesome, because it was two layers of glass that I went through. And that's why I said one and done. We only got, you know, one. Because to to set that up, they would have had to set up two layers of glass again. But that's why that shatter looked incredible, man. Ian's genius. And Ian, that's – Ian McLaughlin is just an amazing – the coordinator and him and Chris Maloney are two pieces in a pod. When I see how yeah. they work things out together, I just I look back and I go, look at these two. They're like blood brothers. They like they both think alike in such a creative yeah. manner and such a yeah. you know such a crazy manner because that show's crazy.
0: To watch that firsthand, everybody was yeah. on the monitor and I was like, I don't want to watch the monitor. I want to see it live. I was just like, holy yeah. shit! It, this, this fucking guy's dead. This guy's—he's dead. He's dead. And then we all gathered around the monitor. I, I swear to God, I was like, "Oh my God, how is this guy still alive?" And then we all—we yeah. all gathered around the monitor with Chris to watch it. And it just—I mean—the the episode speaks for itself. For those of you that want to see Chaz Menendez get thrown through a window, it is we're, the show we're talking about right now is Happy on Sci-Fi Network. It was season one, episode number two, and. I mean, the the stunt work and the, the whole production was such a blast. I remember the next day, just to tell you a funny story I, quickly, I tweeted out to Chris Maloney. I said, Chris, thank you for everything. Such a blast. And it was the most awkward four minutes of my entire career yesterday, staring at your ass. And he acknowledged, <laughs> he acknowledged it. He, acknowledge- he did. He liked it. That. And he wrote, uh, you know, um you have seen more than most men and then wrote something (laughs) something like that and then wrote well maybe not most men because of his 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 character on oz then i get a a tweet the next day i get a tweet from somebody in the uk and they 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 tweeted me i swear to god dude and they tweeted me they said you entire uk talking were you talking about something romantical i don't even know if that's a real word but that's the word they used or something uh-huh. televisional. So I retweeted it to Chris and I said, We have the whole UK talking, buddy. And he wrote back, Awesome. Next we take over China. <laughs> he's just, he, I mean, sparkle. that's his personality, man. He's like, he's so oh, unique. He but you met he him does. in Oz original. Yeah, I met him on Oz, which
1: was great because when I saw him on Happy, I hadn't seen Chris in like probably eight, almost maybe 10 years even. And, well, not maybe, no, well, probably more like, probably then well, he was yeah. on, not demo, but then he was on Law and & Order. And, of course, we worked together on Law & Order. But, however, oh, okay. that, it's been at least five, five or six years since Law & Order. But as soon as I see him, he's like, oh you know, it's just so nice to see him. He's he, You know, he's just such a guy that remembers everybody um, that he's worked with through the years. And I can't say enough great things about him. Like, I can't say enough great things about Joe Socorro on POWER. He And, you know, these guys know each other, and I'm like, man, you guys remind me of each other. You know, Joe's is such a warm, loving, talented, super talented guy who's nothing like the characters he plays. He plays, and, he you know,
0: plays like, Tommy.
1: Yeah, he plays Tommy, which is such a beautiful yeah. character, and he's, like, the nicest guy on the planet. But he plays it so well, and he does so, – you know, I'm a fan of that show. That's the show that I watch. I watch Power like a fan. I don't even – you know, I read the action in the script so I can do my job as a fight coordinator and a co-coordinator but i don't really read the scripts because i want to be like everyone else come july and watch it fresh and be like completely surprised for a lot of things so um i love what he does with the character and i always find myself texting joe while i'm watching it the season going oh my god dude that was you know this and that was this and i just can't believe you know the choice you made here was just so cool and and it's great, and he and he's a good friend, so he appreciates. Like, ah, oh, thank you, saw so that. Oh, you know, it's really funny, you know.
0: Now he's got. He is probably my my favorite character. He's just he's he's like ah uh, best way I could oh, put it. Like his character. I think we all you know. No, guys his like, you only is have, like an onion. Un- like saying yeah. Tommy's character is like an onion, and they like every episode. Yeah they're they're peeling a layer of him back it's un and it doesn't yeah. matter every season there's another layer every episode another layer he's like a uh, uh, his character's so well developed so well written it's really, unbelievable it, it really is
1: yeah it really is and and he um like i said it what drove me to him drew me to him was the loyalty he has to the character ghost and how much that gets yeah. him in such, and that to me is, is the, the strength of the show, um, I agree which is you. why I got I got drawn to him, and he reminds me of the guys I grew up with, so, I, you know, I, I just want him to keep going, and somehow, you, you know, evade the craziness in his life like he's been able to do so far, and I don't know where it's going, because like I said, I'm not reading the script, but I'm, I'm yeah. every day I work with, I got to work with him today, and he's just, he just, you know, he nails it every
0: time. Dude, and I love how there's so much underlining irony in that show. Like, that's how well written it is. Like, Ghost's Nightclub being called truth when his life is nothing about lies. Yeah, no. Like, it, you know,
1: I, call it, I call it ghetto Shakespeare, bro. Power is ghetto Shakespeare. It's you know what? Well, right. And there's so much depth in the characters. And, like, every fight scene I put together with that show. There's always substance behind the fight scene. It's not just throw punch, throw kick. It's like what is going to work for what's happening emotionally in this in this scene. Like when they all beat up, you know, Tommy when the Serbians, but he's dealing with what he's dealing with with his ex-girlfriend. I mean,
0: yeah. that just turned
1: everything around as far as you know, creating this story and and the writers are great, and the producers and directors are great because they we all get on the same page and they put some really. Cool shit together as
0: a team, you know. You know, I I actually auditioned for Power a couple times, and one of the characters I auditioned for uh, was for um, Jerry Ferrara's character. Really, uh, Proctor? Yeah, and I'd write his name's Proctor, I think. And um, yeah, I auditioned for. But we go back fifteen years ago. I auditioned for Turtle on Entourage. No I was way. With Gillibrew's Talent Agency, I swear to God, dude, I was with Gillibrand Talent Agency back then. They'd sense you know, folded, but while I was with them, I auditioned for Turtle in Entourage, went through the whole callback scheme, and Jerry Ferrara got it. So, Jerry, if you're listening to this podcast, which I hope you do, uh, I've lost out to two roles from you right now. So, Jerry Ferrara Mark Basil Zero. Yeah,
1: but, but Mark, you got to give it you got to understand that definitely has nothing to do with you. You guys... No, 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 no. no. Don't you be guys do No, no. but I'm saying, no, no, I know, you, I, I know you're not saying that, but for me, I could see, you know, you're a powerful dude, bro. And when you think about Proctor, he's powerful in a different way because he's such a little dude. Yeah. He's like, you know, and I love how they work him because he is fantastic. They, you know, they're such powerful guys, but they still never intimidate him. He's like, he still gets him on an intellectual level because he... He, like Tommy, right. really wants Ghost to, you know, get through this. It's, just, it's the yeah. dopest of the show is the relationships these guys will have. So, although uh, I, I wish got to play another character, and let's see, because we still got a whole bunch of episodes left. We're only on three. Let's hope you get to read again, and hopefully we get to work together on that level. I, I hope should've. so. That'd be great. And yeah, for me, dude, awesome. for me, like,
0: listen, I've lost roles out to Dominic Lombardozzi. I lost roles out to Jerry Ferrara. I lost the role out. To, i don't i'm not even gonna say i lost the rollout too because i didn't have a callback on it but um bob Rossetti, and board look, look who but you're playing me, with man i mean you're playing with saying. the
1: right guy exactly yeah. what i'm saying
0: that's exactly what I'm saying for me to be auditioning for the same work that these caliber of guys and this group of talent audition for like that's that's good enough for me that's you amazing. know what I mean? Just, uh, to, just to be yeah. called in for the same readings that these guys are getting. Like, it, that, that's, that to me, in Look, and of itself, is and that's, that's being, a, it and that's
1: being Well, that's really being a profession, because same thing I tell these young stunt performers, if you're getting calls and you're not getting the parts, be happy that you're getting calls, because that's the hard one. Even be submitted by uh, a director, a producer, a casting director, a stunt coordinator, that means you're doing something right. The reason why they don't pick you mm. has nothing to do with, with the caliber of actor. It has to do with what they're looking for at the particular moment. So you're in the right, and even you're what,
0: the right company. Absolutely, and even what they think they're looking for in the midst of casting. Could change at the blink of an eye, dude. Could change at the blink oh, yeah. of an eye. I, I went out, I went out for this Blue Bloods audition two seasons ago. It was for um, an Albanian gangster. And I went to this audition, and I thought I nailed it. When I watched the episode, it was like this guy, big, full beard, greasy, long hair. Now, you know me. I don't have long hair. He Like, he had the top three buttons of his button-down dress shirt open, fur that just kind of overlapped the buttons of his dress shirt. That's so how much chest hair he had, you know, and everybody who was in the room waiting to audition with me looked just like me. So, you know, even though the breakdown said one thing, they very easily could have gone a completely separate way when they saw. Oh yeah. This actor or another actor and said, you know what? That's actually the look we need. So you can't get discouraged, man. This business is all about huh. perseverance and and every time you get to read for somebody or audition for somebody or network with somebody is an opportunity to get yourself one step closer. And you just yeah. gotta stay positive. You have to stay positive. You have
1: and even more importantly, once you get the gig and the gig's over, guess what you are?
0: Unemployed. Exactly.
1: Yeah, so, right. and, which is which is fine because that's the choice you make as a performer. It's Absolutely. like am I in this just to try to, you know, make it bigger am I in here for longevity? And believe you me, there's plenty of us in here for longevity, making a living, doing what we love, and I think
0: that's an important thing. Well, and and that's that's actually that that is the truth of it all. I mean, unless you're fortunate to book uh, a pretty constant, reoccurring role or even a star role like that's like listen, yesterday, I was filming Godfather of Harlem, and I was working with Lucy Fry. Um, you know, the show is star-studded: uh, Forrest Whitaker, Luis Guzman, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Lucy Fry. And yesterday I'm in Harlem. I'm working with Lucy Fry. We're joking. We're laughing on set. We're bullshitting. I wake up this morning. We wrap up. So that's it. I've fulfilled my contractual obligation as of right now. This morning I wake up and my wife. Uh, I don't know if you know this. My wife's a New York City police officer. Oh, so I did Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve years on the job. man. God bless her, man. Tell thank you. Yeah, I appreciate I it, man. Know. Well, uh, and Wonderful. hopefully you get to meet her one day. Um, I hope so. But uh, you know, I woke up this morning and she's on her way out the door, and she's giving me a honey do list. Can you? They're, they're putting the new roofs on the house. Can you clean, clear off the patio? Can you vacuum the rugs? Can you unload the dishwasher? And I, I was joking with her, and I said, "Honey, I said you realize who I was working with yesterday." And she looked at me <laughs> very straight. I, you know, like I'm an act. You realize who I was working with yesterday? Now you want me to vacuum? You want me to fold laundry? And she goes. She, no joke, dude. She looks at me with, the like, the most serious face, and she says, yeah, that was yesterday. Today's back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very there much you what go. it is. You know? Very much what so, it yeah, is. Man. You, you You live the dream for a day or two, and then it's back to reality until that dream resurfaces. And you got to be good And, let, it. and let, let me tell you live what live else.
1: else. Let me tell you what else. Louis Guzman goes home, and uh, Forrest to go home. And the wife's got them doing the dishes too. Don't let them kid
0: you. <laughs> oh, I believe it absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Taking the garbage out, if, you know. <laughs> and yep. go off the dog. Go pick up the dog shit in the backyard. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. That's right, bro. It's the same, yep. same thing. But my wife's a pisser, man. She's she's such, she's such a funny, sarcastic person. Like it doesn't matter what she says; it's funny.
1: Well, she's a cop. All my cop friends are, of course.
0: You know, she's got to she can, gotta have it
1: to, to, to get through, especially New York City, Catholic. I'm Sure, she sees oh, some forget
0: shit. Forget it. Forget yeah. it. That's that's a that's a different episode. But yeah, yeah, she she's a strong woman. Very supportive of what I do. I'm very very uh, very grateful. That's right. My wife,
1: my wife owns a hair salon with uh you know 25 employees. She has you know two partners that work with her. She works her ass off. She's the rock. She's got said. She's got incredible business. On yeah. the roll, you know. Right now and for the past few years it's been solid, but believe you me, if you choose this career, it is not solid ever, on a constant. No. It's it, you know, there's feast or famine and you just gotta keep your head straight and go forward and, and keep making those relationships and um, hopefully they continue to grow. I mean I just I feel completely blessed every day I get to go to work doing what I love. And I don't take yeah, it for granted for a Second.
0: Not for a second, brother. You, you and me both, man. I mean, I yeah, when I first moved to New York, I was very lucky to meet Alec Baldwin in Columbus Circle. He was filming a movie in the Barnes and Nobles. I happened to be in there, and I saw him. And it, they, you know, they were setting up the next shot, and there was Alec Baldwin leaning on a, a, a bookshelf, reading a book that he had just picked up. And you know, I walked right up to him. I was like, I'm never gonna get this chance again. I was young, I you know, I, I I was ballsy, I just I went right up to him, eighteen years old, I said, How you doing, Mr. Baldwin, huge fan. He goes, Oh, thank you, thank you very much. He goes, What what's your name? I said, Mark Basil. He said, What do you do? I said, actually, I'm an aspiring actor. I am I'm, I'm going to school here at American Musical Dramatic Academy. He said, Oh, that's great. I said, Let me whoa, ask whoa, whoa. you, what is the be-? Yeah. Go ahead, no finish, good. I said, uh what is, in your opinion, what is the best way for an aspiring actor to break into the business today? And I got to tell you, he gave me the most sound piece of advice. He put the book down. He put it back on the shelf. talked to me for 20 minutes, me, and nobody who just happened to approach him, and gave me the most sound piece of advice that I carry with me nearly 20 years later in this business. And he said, listen, he said... You have to take every opportunity like it's the biggest opportunity. He said, I don't care if you're the bartender in the background wiping down the bar with no lines while the two main actors are in the middle of a conversation, in the middle of dialogue. He goes, you take that character and you bring something to it. You treat that character like it's the most important character in the whole film, in the whole production. And he goes, you be courteous and respectful on set, and you always show up early. He goes, if you do those things, man, people are gonna notice and people will start yep. talking and work begets work. And the, the, the best foot forward that you can lead with is gonna be the next foot that gets you more work. It was just like, and, and, and that's wow. the way I am today. I had a 615 call time yesterday morning in Harlem and I was there at 515, you know what that's I mean? To and be. Just, wanted to make sure I, just wanted to make sure I had parking. I met with the PA. I I got to my trailer okay. Well,
1: Anything could happen in New York. I tell everybody that you have to be early. If you're if you're on time, you're late. You really have
0: to. Rule number one in this business: if you're on time, you're late. Because you I'm it? listening to your story, and you said because I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Is that where you went? No, no, no. I oh, okay. I got accepted into uh, no, no. I auditioned for both programs after high school. I got accepted into both. I went to, I went with AMDA, uh, American Musical okay. Dramatic Academy. Basically, the only reason I, I am dissuade me was because they had housing. Housing was included oh, in the tuition. American Academy of Dramatic Arts didn't offer housing at that time. I, I do believe it's changed since then.
1: What really caught me was I went to American Dramatic Arts with Alec Baldwin's little brother, Stephen Baldwin. And I, wow. I fucking met – I swear to God. And then. Stephen Baldwin used to work at a pizza place up near Lincoln Center. He talks about, that's actually where he he met his wife, where he's married to right now. And we hung out one day. I went to meet him there, and that's where I met Alec Baldwin. And the first time I met Alec Baldwin, I was like, I was like, I mean, he has such incredible fucking presence, that dude. Oh,
0: my God. And Stephen,
1: Stephen was just a prankster. He was such a funny guy. He might have even gotten kicked out of the academy because he was such a prankster. But I ran into him on the subway, and he was such a funny guy. I ran into him on the subway, and he's like, "Yo, Chaz, what's up?" We were talking. He's telling me he's working on this show and that show, and sure the fuck. And sure enough, within the next couple months, I'm seeing him in all these major motion pictures, and then of course, Usual Suspects and all that stuff in the years to come. Sure. So I, I sure. wrote Stephen all those years, and he's just a great guy. And that whole family's I, super talented. So. That's funny, man. That's like. You got the same story, in a sense.
0: So, dude, you want to talk about your school a little bit? You want to get word out about that?
1: Nah, honestly, I don't. I mean, it's okay. UHW stunts. If people are interested, they got to track me down because I don't advertise because, like I said, if people really want to do stunts, they'll find me. You know, I think one of the most annoying things is, is when people, where they can get the information, but then they text me or call me and it's like, I'm too busy to answer something that you can go online and find out the information. And that's sure. kind of part of what it is to be a, a stunt performer is to really, to be a professional, have your shit together, track shit down. You know, don't call me up and ask if I'm having class Saturday. Go look on uh, Instagram or on Facebook. I post it every Friday if I'm having class because sometimes I do get booked on Saturday and you know, people need to, to, to do some work. Like they need to get themselves in that kind of word. So that's the only thing I'll say. It's your ATW stunts. It's a legit stunt school in the Rochelle. It's Saturdays from twelve to four. It's only thirty bucks a class. I don't even charge a lot. You can get ten classes for two seventy. But get ready to get your ass kicked because it's legit and as far as what we do for a living, as you well told the audience, is we hit the ground hard and I just teach you how to get there uh, in a safe fashion and to condition yourself and to learn a lot about I actually call it more of a filmmaking class than anything else because, that's you know, stunt performing isn't always about hitting the ground. It's about understanding that camera. Yeah,
0: Very true. That's so, actually yeah, man, very thank true. You,
1: thank you so much. Pleasure talking with you, brother.
0: I know. I wish likewise. You
1: and and um, I hope to be working with you side by side very soon, my man.
0: I know you're very busy. Let's carve out some time. Let's try and figure out, uh, go get a beer, go get lunch or something, catch up. That'd and see if we can yeah. even make Let's something make happen. Wise, awesome, bro. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Chaz. I really my appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having great me, work. Mark. Great, great work you're doing out there. Keep doing it, man. Thanks, brother. You too, my man. You got it, bud. Be good. All the best. You too. Ciao. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Rise, guys. I want to thank my good friend and guest this week, Chaz Menendez, for opening up a little bit about his end of the business, what it takes to get into the stunt world, and also uh, his journey to better educate the stunt world. Keep at it, my friend. I think that's awesome. You can follow Chaz Menendez on Facebook at Chaz Menendez. I also want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week and listening. Hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Please don't forget to tell me what you like and what you don't like. That is the only way this show is going to get better. This is our first rodeo. You can follow me on Instagram at mdbazil. You can also follow me at Facebook at Mark Please do not forget to like, subscribe, and download this show so that you don't miss a single weekly episode because the rise is only going to get better. And don't forget, guys, always pound the pavement as hard as you can until your knuckles bleed and keep chasing your dreams.